It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you. With you, Paying It Forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on TriggyNet.com. And now, here's your host, Josephine Girasi. Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine here, and boy, we're going to have an incredible show today. Um, I have such uh, an experienced entrepreneur who's gotten her hands into so many things, and she's super successful, and I can't wait to bring our guest on. But before we do that, let me just give you the business tip of the week. So I know that this seems like such common sense, but... um, I have to tell you, this just happened to me this morning, and gosh, I'm in such a predicament. So the business tip of the week is make sure you have backup ink for your printer at all times. I know this seems so simple, but I really thought I had a backup uh, ink in in my supply closet, but I was wrong, and I have to tell you, it really makes a mess for me today because now I've got to make sure at lunchtime that I run out, I get my inks so that I can make sure I get my orders out on time today. So it's putting a little snafu into my uh, busy, busy day today. So make sure you have plenty of ink. So all right, with that, um, I can't wait to give you a little bit of a background about my guest today. So our guest is April Whitlock. She's an amazing woman. I had the privilege of meeting her recently on a trip um, to Charlotte. And uh, let's see. So April is the CEO and majority owner of Fundanoodle, which is an early education product line for children ages three years to first grade. So this is a lot of fun for me because April and I have so much in common, especially with my Glovies product. Um, After managing the brand for two years at Carolina Pad, she acquired the product and spun the company off as her own. April is a graduate of Duke University and began her career with Gray Advertising in Chicago. She caught the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial bug and returned home to Charlotte as the, get this, 32nd employee and seven-year veteran of LendingTree.com. In 2006, she launched launched the Charlotte office of Mom Corps. Can't wait to hear more about that. It was a startup focusing on career and professional development. Two years later, April was recruited by Carolina Pad to develop and launch the Studio C brand and the company's first ever consumer marketing campaign. After April took over the management of the Fundanoodle product line in 2011. Um, 
Did I? Yeah, I think I did that okay, right, April? In 2013, she successfully raised capital to spin off the product line as a new company with retail placement nationwide at Toys R Us and a focus on getting the products in schools and daycares. So I have to tell you, April has touched upon every single thing that is necessary to bring a product to the marketplace and to be a successful entrepreneur. She's got incredible connections with great moms and um, I can't wait to learn from April today. So with that, let's bring April Whitlock onto Paying It Forward. Good morning, April. Good morning. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, April, I know you have such a crazy busy schedule with your three kids and running a business, and we have so much in common. And I have to tell you, I enjoyed meeting you in person so much recently. So I feel honored to have you on my radio show. So thanks so much, April. Oh, thank you. You're sweet. I'm I'm glad the weather finally cooperated and you got to Charlotte this winter. (laughs) I know. I have to tell you, April, I'm not kidding. Today is Wednesday. Two days ago, it was snowing here in New York. We looked out the window and my kids were like, Mom, do we have a snow day? I'm like, how is it possible that you could even consider having a snow day? It's March 30th, you know, so I can't wait for the real spring weather to hit us here in New York. Oh, then I won't tell you that it's 72 and sunny right now here in Charlotte. It's gorgeous. (laughs) I know. I'm very, very jealous. But so I can't wait to get started, April. You know what I'd like to do in the beginning of my show? I always like to know from my guest, April, did you do anything as a child to make yourself uh, think that you were ever going to be the successful entrepreneur that you are today? You know, that's a really great question because I I thought about that recently when I met another entrepreneur who has started a book line to help motivate girls to be business owners at a young age. And I never was that child that had the lemonade stand or walk dogs, but I am an only child, so I I have an enormous imagination. And I created all of my playmates and my ideas, and I acted out the Laura Ingalls Wilder series all the time. And I just feel like um, I, I, I wasn't that business component. And it's also, that's not really, I think, how my brain works. Like, the, um, my, my success has been in innovation and in creating new opportunities and, um, and being a really good marketer. And so I can see all of that starting in my childhood with that imagination. Oh, wow. That's a great, great answer because it's so funny how entrepreneurs have that creative mind. And I always say, sometimes, April, I think that's my curse because my mind is so creative. I'm always thinking about new products and new things. And I'm like, all right, all right, go to the idea notebook, write it down and forget about it for now and stay focused on, you know, of course, my Glovian's products. So it's kind of funny. But anyway, all right. So April, tell us a little bit more. So what did you study in Duke? Did you study marketing? No, I was going to be, um, a lot of my imagination led to writing. And I I loved writing throughout um, high school. And I interned at uh, local newspapers and wrote for the school paper. And I um, really thought I was going to be a journalist. And I really wanted to be a traditional print journalist. Um, And... When I so when I went to Duke, I was given 
some really good advice. Here in North Carolina, a lot of people go to UNC Chapel Hill, and they have an amazing journalism school. But I participated in a program with some local TV personalities, and one of them said, go get the best liberal arts education that you can. Don't worry about focusing on a particular skill set while you're in college, just broadening your mind, broadening your horizons, and learn as much as you can about a lot of different things. So instead of going to UNC and majoring in journalism, I went to Duke and got a great humanities um, background with the mindset that I was still going to be a writer. So I studied public policy and political science, but did a lot of creative writing classes and, um, and film and video classes um, and interned in D.C. and did some great things, but quickly realized that I wanted um, to have a little bit more of a uh, income potential growth than I was going to be able to get as a journalist. And I guess maybe <laughs> I had foresight to what was going to be happening with the Internet space, but um, went kind of fell into the advertising agency world after I graduated from college and realized that, you know, that was the best way to use my creative passions as, um, as a new graduate. Oh, great. So then you ended up in one of the best advertising firms in the country. Okay. (laughs) And how did that happen? Um, I lived in, um, I graduated in 1991. So that was, uh, at the time we thought was a pretty decent recession and little did we know what would happen 17 years later. But um, so it was hard. It was hard to get a job. It was hard to kind of, you know, do what you wanted to do. And so I spent um, some time staying in the Triangle area of North Carolina for a couple of years after graduation, working for some smaller agencies. And then kind of another example of my personality, I guess, is I just decided that um, I wanted to live in a big city before I, that was one of my things I wanted to do when I, while I was young. And so I picked Chicago over New York because it seemed friendlier and a little more manageable for a small <laughs> town girl like me. And right. took off to Chicago uh, knowing one person and without a job. And I worked for a small agency for a while and then um, just kept interviewing and, and you know, moved into um, great Chicago office and focused on their direct marketing piece. Oh, my God. That's great. So I can't wait. We're going to be coming up on a commercial real quick. But um, what was the biggest lesson you feel that you learned from working for Gray? Um, you know, I think when, when I started, um, what I learned is, is, on the advertising agency side is, is to listen and, and to um, go into meetings without, you know, with my thoughts from my research, but make sure I'm listening to what the client wants and understanding what the client wants, but then making sure I'm doing enough research to understand what the market wants so that when we went back and made presentations, you were able to, if what the market wants was not what the client wanted, you could position it appropriately and sell it. Um, So I think I I, I learned a lot about relationships, listening, and being able to, to sell a hard idea. Well, I think, April, this has had to have a huge impact on your career as far as Fundanoodle. I, I can only imagine what a great, great background you have to be able to know your advertising and your marketing and then to be in the position of Fundanoodle. Is that correct? Yes. You know, I think when I look back, it, it, my career, when you look at my resume, doesn't make sense a lot of times. <laughs> but looking back from where I am now, every piece of it contributed to the other um, so that they're all... Are, they all have been instrumental in being able to be an entrepreneur because 
I know a lot about a little things, but I also know what I'm really, really good at. So I can focus on the marketing and the branding and the advertising and make sure I'm surrounding myself with either, you know, contractors or employees or, um, you know, exterior resources that can either help me learn or that can do the things I'm not good at. Yeah, I have to tell you, you know, April, I feel like you've nailed being a successful entrepreneur and it goes back to what you just said. Know what you're good at and outsource the stuff that um, you feel you can hire people to do an even better job than yourself. And uh, we think very much like you know, the same with that. But we're going to come up on our first break. When we come back, I can't wait. We have lots to learn from April Whitlock. Thanks, everyone. Hang in there with us. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine here, and we have April Whitlock with us. All right, so April, um, it's funny, on break, I I was quickly telling you about how we have a similar background, whereas I have to tell you, it's great that you had that advertising experience under your belt. Little did you know at the time how much it was going to help you running your business today. A similar thing happened to me when I got out of school. Um, Even though I majored in finance, I ended up in accounting. Why did I end up in accounting? Because I had a summer internship where I did the bookkeeping for um, a trucking company of all things, but I was really, really good at it. And um, I had that on my resume. I ended up doing accounting, but I hated it. And I had to, to switch careers. But now looking back at, you know, running my business, that accounting, that job was the best thing that ever happened to me because I'm able to really know my numbers and everything. But as we were saying before break, um, as much as I'm good at it and I like it, it's not where I need to focus my time. So that's something I like to outsource and get somebody else to take care of so I can run my business. Anyway, with that, um, I wanted to switch gears and I wanted to ask you, so 
when did your um, position or when did you start the mom corps? That, that was in 2006. What made yes. you start that? Um, well, actually, the company was founded by Allison O'Kelly about six months after I joined. Um, I was at Lending Tree for seven years and really realized as it grew and went from a startup through an IPO through an acquisition that as it became more corporate, I realized that was that's not me. I mean, that I want I like the entrepreneur environment, and I love to say all the time that I was an entrepreneur without an idea. Um, that I was really, really great at executing other people's ideas or, or you know, um, big ideas, but I didn't have one. I didn't have this big thing that was going to change the world. So I was ready to make a move, and my husband and I were, and we were looking at franchise opportunities and all different types of things. And I read an article in Working Mother magazine that highlighted Allison and MomCorps and thought, you know, this is it. She's brand new. She's in Atlanta. Um, a lot of her model was really based on um, part-time contract project-type work in the accounting and finance world. I'm in Charlotte. That was a big banking community. So I literally just found her email, shot her an email, and said, you know, I know a startup. I know how to work from home. I love this concept how are you growing and do you want to come to Charlotte? And she immediately got back in touch with me. We started talking and I went to Atlanta a few weeks later uh, for some interviews and we, and she decided, okay, yeah, let's, let's open up in Charlotte. So it was really the best of all worlds for me because it wasn't, um, she's now a franchise model, but at that time she wasn't. And it was a great way to like, she's like, okay, here's the brand. Here's, the back-end support that we're going to do, now you go and build a market in Charlotte and you go, um, you know, create, the find the clients and do the business development and build the brand and, and grow it, grow it, grow it. Um, and so it was, a, you know, a great fit for me um, and just a great opportunity to, to do what I wanted to do on my own um, and have, you know, the support and the, uh, the growth of what she was doing as she grew nationally. Great. So how did you build a market in Charlotte? Huh, lots of networking. I mean, Charlotte, uh, we like to say, is a, is a really small, big town, um, and it still works in a lot of, uh, you know, there are definitely um, a lot, there's a lot of growth and a lot of new entrepreneurs and a lot of new ways to do things, but this was eight years ago or so, and it was still very much, it was pre-recession, it was still very much a, um, a, some old money and some banking money, so you, I networked a lot. I went, this was really before LinkedIn and a lot of this stuff. So I, I went to a lot of um, professional associations. Um, I created a lot of training. Uh, I created a lot of programs where, um, you know, to build the client base of moms who were interested in going back and doing some part-time or project or contract work. We came up with different um, training classes or you know, have them work on their resumes or different um, fundraisers to get them involved, to understand what we were doing, to get them excited about the brand. And then went to a lot of conferences um, because workplace workplace flexibility was very, very hot then, kind of like it's becoming again now, because of the assumption that the boomers were getting ready to retire. And obviously all that kind of changed with the recession. But um, it it, it takes time. I mean, there's there's no – I laugh sometimes when I get – when I, there's no silver bullet, when I get all these blind LinkedIn requests and different things and, and people thinking, you know, they're going to just use this silver bullet of the Internet to grow their network, there's nothing that can replace 
a, a conversation on the telephone or an in-person short meeting, and there's nothing that replaces karma, that replaces the let's share ideas, how can we help each other, and then actually acting on that and introducing somebody to somebody else and, and you know, really helping. And I think that's something that people kind of lose the sight on, that building your own personal brand that so is aligned to your company, it doesn't happen overnight. There, you know, it takes time to really build that and to, um, to get that groundswell happening. You know, I think you're so right about that, April. And, you know, I'm trying to get word out about my Glovies product. And when we had met, we were discussing how important it really is to try to get into the Montessori schools with our products. And um, what I did was I had made phone calls to the directors and asked them if they had an interest in getting a sample of my product. Then I sent the product to them, then made the follow-up phone calls. And I was so happy that some of these directors placed an order with me right away and sometimes I feel it's because they realize it's my voice on the other end of the phone as opposed to you know just an email and all of a sudden like you said it's the karma it's the rapport that people I think people miss it because it's almost like it's so funny year 20 years ago when I was an entrepreneur and had a different business you know, if the phone did not ring, I used to turn to my partner and I used to, he used to get nervous and he used to say to me, oh my God, the phone hasn't, hasn't rung all day. And I used to say to him, well, that's our job to make sure that it continues to ring. Nowadays, right. how often does your phone ring, April? <laughs> my, it never <laughs> Very rings. Very rarely. It's, everything is about the email, but I have to agree with you. I think sometimes that personal connection makes a big deal. So I was talking to this director, you know, in the Bay Ridge Montessori School, and they purchased my product right there on the phone. And before I hung up the phone with her, I said, you know what? I have relatives in um, Bay Ridge. And I said to her, next time I go visit my relatives, I'll stop in so we can meet face to face. Well, she was so excited. She said, I would really, really like that, Josephine. And all of a sudden, I hung up the phone. I felt like I had a friend, a brand new friend. And I shot her an email. It was so nice meeting. But April, I think that's going to be the repeat customer. And guess what? Like a week after doing all of this and the product's now been shipped there and now the preschoolers are using the product, guess what happened? All of a sudden, I'm starting to get online orders from people in Brooklyn. So right. I bet you that relationship that I had established with that director, all of a sudden, it's word of mouth and it's starting to go out to the moms. And I think that's how it's all going to happen, especially with a product like yours and mine. Right. So it goes, it goes back to everything that you had said that, you know, it's so important to create those personal relationships, you know, as, build, as you start to build your own personal brand. Okay, April. So now, let's see. So now you're doing an incredible job, you know, at the Mom Corps. What happens next? So you get recruited out. How often does that happen? I mean, <laughs> so many people must be watching, you know, everything that you're doing and how successful you are at startups and, you know, branding and all of that. So how does Carolina Pet reach out to you? You know, that goes back to networking. Um, my husband and I, you know, one of the advice that I give 
anybody that asks, whether they're an entrepreneur or they're going into a different job, is that um, because people who are working in corporate can, you know, can stay in their jobs too long, is I really put timelines on things, and I'm trying to be very cognizant of that, and it helps, it frees me up when I do. So when we decided for me to leave Lending Tree and leave a consistent salary and benefits and all those great things and jump into this you know, true startup where there was no salary and it was just kind of, you know, you earn what you, what you make. And, um, we gave it two years and as a, as a team and for our family. And my husband said, we can do this for two years. And at the end of two years, it doesn't mean that you have to be at your same earning level. You just need to see the potential of where it's going for us as a family. And as we approach the end of that two years, it wasn't growing, you know, as quickly as, as I needed it to. My husband decided he wanted to go back to grad school. So it became very clear that I needed to shift and go back to the, you know, the, the corporate world or at least the predictable income world, as much as you can say that. Yes. And unfortunately, I made that decision right before the crash of 2008. But I made the decision to leave MomCore on great terms. I left. Um, without having a job, I, I love the company. I love Allison. I'm still very much involved, but I let her know. And then I started networking. It, it was It's no different than than anything, than growing your business and looking for investment dollars and looking for a job. And I got a really good piece of advice, and, I, and the person said, you know, every time you meet with somebody, get at least three contacts. Just at least make them get them, you know, back to the email. Let them do at least three warm introductions for you, and at least one of those should always work and have another meeting. So I got my elevator pitch down to what I was looking for. Um, I got, I just was really meeting people for about three months. And what ultimately happened about uh, a couple months later was one of the very first women that I got connected to, Catherine Thompson, who was the VP of Marketing at Carolina Pad, reached back out to me six months later and said, hey, are you still looking we've got this opportunity now. This is what it looks like. Um, so it's, a, you know, it all goes back to the networking, the, 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 the polite persistence of staying in touch with people, you know, let, not ever letting a good lead go. You know, she was trying to help me find a job somewhere else because we really hit it off. But ultimately, I waited long enough um, for the right thing to come along. And because I had made that connection and kind of proven myself, um, when when that you know when the idea came up for this new position, I was on the top of her brain, and it was an easy call to make and, and start that process. See, I think that that's so important, and what it really comes down to a lot of times, April, and you might agree, it's timing. The timing yes. that you didn't have another job lined up yet, and the timing that she thought of you. But I think the real key to success here. And how you got um, to Carolina Pad is that you did not stay locked up in your office. You got right. out there. And it goes back to what you originally said in the beginning of the show, how important networking is. And um, I do feel that you've nailed it there. So we're coming up on another break, but when we come back, I want to know more about venture capital, how you manage to get people to invest in your companies. Okay. Everyone hang in there, and we'll, we'll be right back with April Whitlock um, from Fund and Noodle. Thanks, everyone.
We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can with Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. kids do you think you're creative do you want to be don't have enough time for your arts crafts and hobbies or do you just need a kick in the pants hi i'm mark lipinski the host of creative mojo with mark lipinski right here on toginet radio come on and join me every wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest fun-filled hours of your week hey need ideas how about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on toginet.com. Now what are you waiting for? Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine. We have April Whitlock with us from uh, the CEO and majority owner of Funder Noodle. So, April, before um, we went to break, we were talking, you had mentioned about venture capital. So I'm, I'm so interested in learning a little more about that. But before we get to that, how did you decide once you got over um, to Carolina Pad, how did you decide to take the product out on your own? How did that all work out? Um, well, the first three years I was there, I was not involved in the product. It was being, it was, you know, managed of another area. And I was just focused on the studio C marketing and branding. And I took the product over in 2011. And um, what happened in the, from 2011 to 2013 is we very quickly realized as we started taking the line to market that we had an amazing product, but it did not fit into Carolina Pad's business model. And Carolina Pad is a, is a, is a mass, as a producer of, of, of mass goods. They make beautiful office supplies and school supplies and tech bag, you know, computer bags and iPhone covers and, and the like. But they sell in big box stores, Walmarts and Targets and Best Buys. And this product, the education space, just doesn't do well in, in those type of stores. And it was, a you know, a higher quality product. I started doing a lot of marketing to teachers because I want teachers to recommend this product to parents. Because, you know, it was, it's a great parent tool 
We did tons of focus groups with teachers to make sure they loved it and gave them lots of tools to be able to share it with their, their parents. And what started happening pretty quickly was we started getting requests from schools, um, preschools, daycares, elementary schools, to buy the product to be used in the classroom. So after seeing this happen and start you know, over a period of a year, um, Clay Presley, who owns Carolina Pad, and I sat down last year and said, we need to make some tough decisions about this business. It either needs to you know, be shut down under Carolina Pad's umbrella because it just doesn't fit our business model, we need to go sell it, or we need, if you want it, we need you to figure out a way to acquire the business and roll it off on your own. So with those three options on the table, I quickly picked option C, and that is what we started working toward um, about this time last year in terms of, of getting everything in place to be able to do that spinoff while still managing the current business and the current clients that we had. Wow. That's amazing. So what was the first thing you did now as the majority owner of Fundanoodle when you stepped away from Carolina Pad? Um, you know, the interesting thing is that I was very lucky uh, to have the ability over the last two years to really, especially the last year, to run the product almost independently. We really, um, in 20. 13 kind of set it up all as its own P&L statement under um, Carolina Pad. So what I started doing toward fourth quarter last year and the first part of this year was, was first you had to exit yourself from the mindset that you were used to. And I honestly um, had to distance myself from the organization and being in the office. And I started working remotely because I needed to get out of that mindset of, oh, you know, we're, we're not successful in a big box you know, and, and to start getting more comfortable being successful with small wins and, and knowing that these small wins were going to grow. Um, and the other thing I, I did very quickly was starting to figure out how how do you outsource all of this? You know, I, I didn't mm-hmm. need the overhead resources that a company as large as Carolina Pad did, and how could I look at their whole supply chain management and their whole structure, and how could I divvy out those pieces so that I'm really, there's only one employee and there's no office, um, but all the same things get done. We have a product, we have warehousing, we have shipping, we have marketing, we, you know, we have supply chain management. And that was the biggest thing was to just lay it all out the way it worked today, match that up to how I wanted to work it as my company, and then figure out who was going to do the, 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 the integral pieces. Wow. That sounds... So it sounds overwhelming, and I just wonder, because I've done the same thing, but I'm just curious. So, April, at that point when you were laying it all out, did you create your own business plan? I did, you know, and it went through multiple iterations. Uh, but, yes, that's one of the first things we started with um, was, you know, really taking the business plan that um, – what I envisioned. And it was one of those things where it's very interesting spinning off a product. It's very interesting, very different from being a true startup because I had the opportunity to say, Hey, how would I run this if it was mine? But I also had to be like, there's a lot of products we already have. There's a lot of stuff that's already going on. And how do those things fit? How do I not alienate existing revenue and existing clients and, and roll this out? So, um, 
so yes, I still started there, and I, I tried to start as best as possible of what would I do if I was starting from scratch? How would I have done that? How would I have originally rolled out this business if I was involved from day one and, and go from there? Okay. So my next question to you is now that you're a couple of years, or I guess you're going on your second year out on your own, Correct. April. No, actually, I'm only going on my first quarter out on my own. Um, oh, gosh, from 2011, I didn't Yeah, from okay. 2011 to 2013, we I was managing the brand underneath um, Carolina Pads Umbrella, even though we ran it kind of as a standalone. But January uh, 1st was the beginning of Fund & Noodle as its own entity. Okay, so now that you've got a quarter under your belt, uh-huh. it's not much. But what was your biggest challenge, and how did you overcome it? Um, The biggest challenge right now at this point is um, two things. One, it's just managing cash flow. It's just making smart decisions and managing cash flow of being in a product business. And um, and two, um, I think one of the, the biggest things is, waking up every day and staying focused on what's my mission for 2014. And my mission for 2014 is find as many distribution opportunities as possible and figure out which one of the, which one of those channels are the most effective. And number two, you know, raise around a capital to manage that inventory process and manage some of those cash flow issues. And, and that's it. I mean, I have people coming at me daily with product ideas and partnership ideas and wonderful, amazing things. And it's kind of like what you said before. You just write it down in your idea book and you move on. And, and you keep it in your mind and it's always there. And if there's an opportunity to kind of do a little something, you, know, you start slating it for the future. But I, if I got wrapped up in what's the next right. product we're going to develop, then I would fail my business because right now, 20 amazing products. And it's all about what's going to be the right distribution channel to get them out. Perfect. So let's talk a little bit about raising capital. How do you go about doing that, April? <laughs> it is it is really hard, and I I was told that early on, and it, it is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. But again, I go back; it's a broken record. It is no different than networking for a job or for a business. It is all about personal connections, um, because I think I've seen it already that I've seen business plans and I've talked to people where business plans, you know, make all kinds of sense, but the leadership is just that there's a, there's a disconnect between the leadership and a potential investor and those deals won't go forward. And if they do, they're hard. They're just hard deals. So it is an essence, especially for me, I'm looking for angel funds. Now I'm not looking for the kind of money that VCs normally invest. And so angel funds tend to be, more individuals and and um and folks who have been very successful themselves and they're just looking for you know they're looking for a way to invest their money and and stay involved in the business and so it's just like any job hunt it comes down to where's the personality set and where you know that's really important and then the business plan has to make sense obviously but i think what i'm seeing is the the personality and the passion for the business is one of the most important things for the kind of investors that, that I'm after. 
Okay. I think that that sounds great. So it sounds to me that you don't just jump into a relationship with somebody that wants to give you money. You really think it out, which is really, really important because you'll always have to answer to them. Correct, April? Right. Right. I mean, it is, it is, you know, I have a wonderful fractional CFO and he's given me a lot of advice and, and the hardest advice he's given me is that you have to be willing to walk away from some cash if you don't have the relationship with that investor because they will always be there because it's their money and they will never let you forget it's their money. Uh, it's not your money, it's their money. So well, um, you got to find a good relationship. And I like what you had said, that you look to create partnerships with people who already have have experience, have been successful, because it's a win-win situation if they can help and give you solid advice, because it helps you. And of course, in the long run, it helps them also. Right. And you also want to make sure, I mean, it, it is more than money with angels. I mean, it, and I think it's probably the VCs too, but with angels, it's more than money. You want to know how expensive is their Rolodex, and is their Rolodex expensive enough in your space? Or are they bringing a very specific skill set that you need to the table? You know, the two existing investors that I had for my seed round to do the roll-off, you know, one of them is knows his whole background and career is in consumer products and manufacturing and working with factories in China overseas and selling, you know, at retail. The other one's an executive at advertising agency. So they are my, they're on my board of advisors. They are key people to go to. When, when I need help, I can go to them. They make the calls and the connections um, to, you know, to help me figure it out. Um, and so you, you've got to look for those pieces, too, because it is more than the money um, if you do it correctly. Wow, this is great. So here we are. We're going to come up on another break. This interview has gone so fast, April. I think it's because you are a wealth of information and I have so many questions. I'm learning so much from you. Um, But you had mentioned a board of advisors and I know a lot of my listeners are probably curious as to how you created that. So when we come back, um, we're going to talk about the board of advisors. Then we're going to go and give April the opportunity to tell the listeners how they can uh, win $50 in Funda Noodle product. And then we're going to share five great business tips from April. So with that, we're going to take a quick break and everyone stay with us. Thanks, everyone. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search. 
Physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one's spiritual perspective, all must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jurassi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine, and we have April Whitlock with us from Fundanoodle. So, April, right before break, you had mentioned that you have a board of advisors. How did that come about, and how did you decide who was going to be on that board? Um, my board right now, the, the main people on it are my two investors, and that that's really um, drives a lot of it because especially with angel funding, there is typically a um, a expectation and a desire that an angel funder is going to be on your your board of advisors in some way, um, and then because a lot of my um, you know because I don't have employees and I work I outsource a lot of stuff I have a great um, fractional CFO um, which basically means he has tons and tons of experience in mergers and acquisitions and raising money and being a CFO. But now he does it on his own for lots of companies like me, um, and he has, you know, has been instrumental from that finance side. And those three are it for right now, just because of of where I am in my growth process. I think as we finish up this next round of funding, we will clearly add a couple more, um, and then we'll take a look at it. And I know that when I look at my business, I need some expertise as well in the early education space and the occupational therapy space. So we're, I'm constantly looking and networking for that, um, but we probably wouldn't bring them on board until um, we get the business component of it taken care of. Okay. Well, that sounds like, like you have a, an incredible support system, and what I like so much is that everybody, it sounds like, has a different set of skills to bring to the yes. table, and it all kind of comes together. Okay. With that, um, April, tell my listeners how they can get in touch with you. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the great products that you have? And then I know that you have um, a little prize 
you know, to offer. Yes. So let's talk yes. about that. Okay, it's all yours, April. Fun and Noodle, it, for, um, if you haven't checked out the website while we've been on the interview, it's um, F-U-N-D-A-N-O-O-D-L-E.com. And we are an early education product line um, for children ages 3 through 6 that is designed with um, experts in pediatric occupational therapy and early education. Our goal is to make products that keep children active and engaged while they're learning. And we stay focused on foundational learning, so preschool and and kindergarten. What we're seeing and what we have found is we are filling a niche that is happening um, in society today with the advent of so much touchscreen technology that children are not getting the active hand strength exercise and fine and gross motor skill exercises they need when they spend too much time swiping a screen. So we advocate that parents and teachers use these products 15 minutes a day or so to make sure that kids are, again, learning the, the, the fun and engaging part of education, but also really working their hands, um, their hand strength, they're learning their grip, and working on their um, hand-eye coordination and their visual perception so they're set up to be more successful when, when they hit the classroom. What um, we sell our products online. We have products available at Toys R Us nationwide um, and lots of uh, local specialty education stores. And what we're very focused on now in this new iteration of the business is distributing the product into the classroom. So we have a wide range of schools between preschools, parochial schools, public schools, daycares, um, and some charter schools that are using various components of the product um, as part of their their daily learning activities. We've also found really great success um, in communities with children who have learning disabilities, especially on the autism spectrum. Um, A lot of children really struggle on the autism spectrum with their hand strength and their muscle tone and these products because they have so much of the occupational therapy influence in them, they really help. Um, those children stay engaged. What we'd love to do is give away um, $50 worth of product. When we do giveaways, we always like to talk to our winner before we send product, so we make sure we're sending the right age um, product for whatever child is in your house or in your life. So um, we will run a contest uh, for the next week That on Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter and you tweet that you were, were listening today, um, we're just at Fund Noodle, and do a hashtag paying it forward radio. We'll pick a random winner from all those tweets next week and get in touch with you. Okay, perfect. Oh, wow. This is going to be exciting. I know that a lot of listeners um, will probably get involved in this. So, all right, this is great. So we're going to move on to these incredible five business tips that you came up with. So the first business tip that April had sent in is forget the five-year plans. Think and execute in 90-day increments. Wow, this is refreshing. Tell us about that. I think that was one of the best takeaways that I took from my seven years at Lending Tree um, is especially today with the way the market changes so quickly and technology changes the world so quickly, there really is no such thing as a five-year plan. You can have a five-year vision 
of what you want things to look like that you need to execute in 90-day increments um, to be able to, um, you know, move toward that vision. And so many times that vision is going to change, so you don't lock yourself into it. You have to be willing to, um, to make the changes in your business and move forward. Um, I love following Seth's blog, and um, today he was talking about, you know, you have to be willing to break your pottery. You have to be really willing to move away from ideas that you love if they're really not working in the market. So putting 90-day goals in place makes it a little bit easier to do that. Oh my gosh. I love that. Isn't it funny, April? I can remember when I started my business. I mean, the proof is I came up with a product um, for one, you know, for potty training purposes. And now today within the past year, I completely changed the product where it's used more for arts and crafts and um, it's FDA approved so kids can bake with it. And it's just so funny. I think with every business, you start with one idea in mind and so often it does change for the better because now, you know, we're responding to the market. It goes back to what you had originally said when you sat down with your clients from Gray Advertising is... It doesn't really matter what you think the customer wants. you got to find out what the customer wants and right. answer that question and solve that solution. Okay, we're going to move on to business plan number two. Plan two, business tip, I'm sorry, not business plan, business tip number two. Not, number two, plan to pivot. All businesses change and evolve. Oh, that's so funny. We just said that. Yep. <laughs> okay, let's move on to business tip number three. Always, um, always take the meeting. Personal networking opens a lot of doors, so dedicating an hour or so a week to one-on-one coffee meetings or lunches is a great investment. Oh, I love that. We talked about that in the beginning of the show. And so often, April, I got to tell you, because we're running our businesses every single day and we have crazy busy lives, so often I say to myself, oh, my God, can I really take this time out of my day to go for this, you know, coffee meeting or lunch meeting? And I always, every time I take the time to do it, I always walk away with so much more information and knowledge than I ever imagined. Yes. So, and a lot of it, too, I think I would caveat this one and, you know, I, I know some people don't agree about always taking the meeting, and I, I wouldn't say I always take the meeting because I do do a little bit of research before I take the meeting, but nine times out of ten, I'll take it um, because most of the time people are reaching out to me because there is a connection. They're either excited about what I'm doing or they, they're wanting to get to be an entrepreneur or they're looking for some advice. And it's just like a date, you know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be an hour, you know. So you can start talking to somebody and realize, oh, my gosh, they're so selfish. They're just looking for themselves. And you can wrap it up and go. I mean, because you control your schedule and your time. So, um, but I agree with you. There's very few meetings that I've had that I haven't walked away saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just made that connection. That's going to be, I'm going to use it down the road for something I know. This is great. And you know what, April? I'm going to bring in an example of when we had met. You know, we met with my dear friend, Robin Pele, who's been on our radio show before. So a lot of my listeners know Robin. But when after we had met, I knew that you were a well-informed person. And um, we recently, I had contacted you and you were so kind to help 
me regarding the trademark of my Glovey's name and my mom knows best. And I had gotten in touch with the original attorney that I had used and like they wanted to charge me $600 each for my two names. And it was just a matter of filling out a few forms. I have to tell you, just by talking to you and you convincing me, don't worry, you can do it on your own. I have to tell you, April, you saved me $1,200. And just I yesterday, know, I'm so glad. I, I felt empowered. I was like, thank you, April. Thank you. And the timing of it, I got the email just yesterday stating that, you know, everything's approved, you know, everything's fine. So I was so excited. So thank you for that. I'm talking fast because we have 90 seconds. So April, I'm going to quickly just read tip number four and quick um, tip number five. Tip number four, recognize and embrace where you are in your personal season. All right, April, two seconds. Can you tell us what that means? Just, you know, knowing that there are times where you can do more and times you can do less. I'm a mom now, so I have to break away and do mom things and know that work will be there later in the day. Okay, perfect. Now, tip number five, own your brand statement, who you are, what you do. Go ahead. You got two seconds there too, April. You know, like we talked about in the beginning, you are the representation of yourself and your company. So you need to be conscious of that in pretty much everything you do and interactions that you have online, in social media, and in your personal life. So just remember that, you know, you, you own it. You have to, you're Perfect. responsible for who you are. Wonderful. So um, real quick, we have 30 seconds left, but I just want to tell my listeners, we're going to have a super special two shows coming up, April 23rd and April 30th in recognition of Pay It Forward Day. I hope April will come on as a guest. That's a super special two shows. We're going to have 10 people um, come on and share their best business tips. But listen, April Whitlock, CEO of Funder Noodle, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of Paying It Forward. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Well, have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next week on Paying It Forward. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for being a part of Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on Togginet.com. This show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. Each week we'll be discussing accomplishments, 